Okay, welcome back. We're going to go ahead and get started. It's, uh, we're a little bit early, but that's okay. We, I think most of us... Who are you? know what? Who said that? You blurted out. Let's get out of here. Let's go. The game started 20 minutes, brother. What game? No course in the What game? The final four? No. That's tomorrow. What game are you talking about? Hey, 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 hey. This is about the KL. Jesus is on the main line. All right. Now I'm just going to establish something right now. I don't want, and y'all, most of y'all should have eaten okay. I don't want any attitude from anyone. Else. <laughs> so, so that's just the way it is. Okay? We all know each other. So, if you got your attitude, check the door. Amen. 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 All right. I feel very warm, and maybe the lights, but that's okay. Is there, is the temperature in here okay? It's probably the lighting. I, I feel like I got a light over my head, like 73. Well, we got body heat, so body heat will affect that. You can, well, people might still be coming in because I'm watching that. Leave it open. I, there's, you know, there, there are parties over there. They're not going to come out. So, and I run hot anyway. That's right. I, I usually run hot all the time. So it doesn't, take, it doesn't take much for me to just ignite. So, okay. All right. So thanks again. So for those who were here at the beginning, remember what we talked about, about choices and the consequences that come with that. Now we're going to do a little bit of a preliminary study leading into um, – Tomorrow, as well. Oh, thank you. Leading into tomorrow, and uh, it's going to be uh, in the beginning. So we're going to start with that, and we'll be doing a little bit of Bible verses and reading and, and looking at some things here too. So it all started in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and you would read that, of course, in Genesis one one. God created the heavens. And the earth according to his will. It was his choice to do so. And after he finished, he deemed it to be good. If you want to look at Genesis chapter 1, you can go ahead. If you have your Bibles, you can actually go right to that area. We can start with that. But that's where we're going to begin. In fact, we're going to go after he created day and night on earth, the sky the land and the waters surrounding it, the fishes and birds, the plants, the moon and the stars and wildlife, he made man. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, and we'll look at those verses. It seems like every time Akron Alliance gets involved with any kind of a Bible study or any kind of a study, we usually wind up in Genesis. And for those of you who have been in Sunday school, we typically, we typically, Genesis chapter 3, yeah. Brother Beecher will take us right back to Genesis chapter 3, where all civilization began, basically. I don't know. But Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, it says, Then God said, that's, this is the Holman Christian Standard Bible version I'm reading, follow along in yours. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them 
male and female. Adam and Eve were his choice to be the first man and woman on earth. And he blessed them with everything that he had previously created. If you look at verses 28 through 30, that's you see all the things that he created. And he called all of it good. Amen. Amen. Adam was assigned to work and watch over the beautiful Garden of Eden. And he was given a specific command about the garden. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17. Genesis 2, verses 15 to 17, it says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Pretty clear instruction, wasn't it? God gave him the responsibility to make decisions about the names of all the birds, livestock, and wild animals. Look at all the autonomy that God gave Adam. All those things he gave him to do. That's in verses 19 through 20. And shortly after, God made the choice... Knows the word choice, to create Eve from one of Adam's ribs. She would be his helper and companion for life. Amen. Now, we don't know exactly how long it was or how long it took for Satan to come into the picture. We don't really have a clear picture of that. We just know that he just kind of popped up one day based upon the way we read Scripture. But we're going to see how his presence influenced Adam and Eve to make a fateful choice that affected all of mankind. We know that Satan was the serpent who was able to speak to both of them and use reasoning. Look at Genesis chapter 3. And notice how scripture sets it up, too. The scripture is describing to you about who the serpent is and the level of intelligence the serpent has. Now, the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. That it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. Make a note of those things. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. 
Adam and Eve made the choice to go against what God had said. Why? You tell me. What? Curiosity. Curiosity. Okay. Power, knowledge. Okay. Anyone else? Inquisitive. I'm sorry? Inquisitive. Inquisitive. Okay. All right. Well, you want me to sum it up for you? All those things are true? Yeah, that's all right. We're going to have a lot of activity here in the hotel this weekend. I promise you that right now. I'll sum it up for you. They followed their own desires. All those words are true. But when you really get right down to it, they followed their own desires. Even though God had said no, they still wanted to check it out. It might be Russell. <laughs> yeah, you might want to check the door. Just... It was a choice to be disobedient to God, and it gave them the full realization of what it was to experience good and evil. We don't know if their hearts were already looking at the forbidden fruit of the forbidden tree, but they were around it for quite a while. Remember I said we don't really have a time frame on all of this stuff? They may have been curious about it. They may have been looking at it for quite some time. There may have been a desire, even though they knew they couldn't touch it, that they still wanted to you know, go ahead and check it out. All of us know what happened after this with Adam and Eve, and ultimately the entire human race. A choice in disobedience of God was the catalyst for all that we experience as fallen creatures today. Okay. So now that we've seen all of that, let's get into some discussion about the words we're going to be using during this presentation. What is a choice? How is it defined? Merriam-Webster refers to it as the act of picking or deciding between two or more possibilities. Everybody get that? The act of picking or deciding between two or more possibilities. That's what a choice is. A choice is an action. And you're making a decision between two or more things. That ultimately what is what defines the word choice. Nothing inherently wrong with this, but that's what a choice is. For example, there is a choice between good and evil. It's very clear. Now, what you want to do is look at how does this relate to the word decision because some people will say the choice and decision are the same thing. But for the purposes of this discussion, they are different, and I'll try to explain that to you. So what is a decision? You can look at a dictionary, and you're going to say, well, it's a choice or something like that. It, it probably is oversimplifying it a little bit. A decision is a choice that you make about something after a thought process. In other words, the decision is something that leads up to making a final choice. 
A choice that you make about something after a thought process. It's the, you know, the choice is the result of deciding. You've made a decision. You've made a, a, a commitment to do this thing. Both of these words are closely related, but for our understanding, let's consider the following. A choice is a commitment to do something. Okay? A choice is a commitment to do something. A decision is one or more actions that support or reinforce the choice you are making. Sounds like splitting hairs, doesn't it? It's not. They're, they're conscious. You're, right. It's a conscious. It's a conscious thing that you're doing. And I'll, I'll explain later on why we need to have this kind of establish what we're talking about for clarity. Okay? Because you can make a series of decisions that ultimately lead to a choice. For example, consider what David did once he decided to commit adultery with Bathsheba. There's a happy topic. Amen? But notice how Scripture gives you all kinds of information about what David did after he committed this adultery with Bathsheba. The act of adultery resulted in Bathsheba's getting pregnant. As a result of that, because there was a consequence, as a result, David reinforced that indiscretion with a series of decisions that eventually got Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, murdered. It's all in 2 Samuel 11, if you want to go back and look at that. There were several choices that he made within that process to get to the point where Uriah had to be wiped out. And remember, if you, if you go back and use a recollection with this, it's like, well, I got this woman pregnant. It's not supposed to be public knowledge. That's, he tried to get Uriah to sleep with her at night, and he refused to do so because there were soldiers in the battlefield. And it eventually got to the point and said, well, I'm just going to have to send him out in the battlefield, on the front lines, have people pull back so he's murdered. Those were all decisions that David made. So what can we conclude from that? A good choice is rooted and supported in conviction. It stands on its own righteousness. You got that? Y'all ain't getting glazed over too quickly, are you? (laughs) Amen. Check this out. An evil choice is rooted and supported by justification. It collapses when faced with righteousness. You see that? So these are things we are going to be paying attention to when we people make choices about something and the decisions that lead to that choice. You have to consider, is it good? Is it evil? Especially when you're looking at it when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. If you continue to live a life that's evil... All you are doing is justifying your behavior. But when you stand it up against righteousness, it will collapse. There is no justification. David's dilemma was that there was nothing that he did that could stand up against righteousness. There was nothing righteous about what he did. Okay. 
Any questions about that? What do you think about these comments? When you look at this conviction, it stands on its own, it's righteous, or are you always justifying your behavior? Saying you should do it. And the justification is rooted in what? You think you should be doing it. You think you're the one that you should be doing whatever you want to do, whatever you feel like doing. Would justification be the same as making excuses? Absolutely. Making excuses. Rationalization. Rationalization. Those are all words that speak to you are doing your own personal justification for what's occurring. And let's face it. If we're in sin, we do it all the time. You're doing it to yourself. You may not be doing it publicly, but you're doing it to yourself. You're giving a reason on your own personal viewpoint, on your own behavior, and saying, well, I'm righteous in my own way of doing this, but it has nothing to do with the righteousness of God. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Yes. Absolutely. That's right. Exactly. Yes, sir. I'm just uh, thinking in my mind. Uh, As opposed to thinking some externally <laughs> processed. <laughs> That was like a softball. Hey, every, I used to pitch a softball. Every night, you just lob one up there. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> no, I was, I was thinking, well, when I think about good choice, yes, it's based on conviction, but it's also justifiable. Yes. Like the foundation of good choice is <coughs> conviction, but you can't say that the same thing for evil choice. Uh, for choices like there's no foundation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just thinking about how the conviction comes first, okay, and just then justify comes second. Okay, and when you think about evil choices, just uh, justification comes first, and okay, that's all. No, that's good. Good point. Good point. Okay. So let's expound on this further. A choice impacts your decision-making. And if you, know, if you want to use a proper way to phrase that, your decision-making impacts your choice. You probably could have phrased that a little bit differently. Your choice is impacted by your decision-making. A choice, a decision... Um, they can be defined as the same thing, and yet they're different. A choice is more than just making a decision. A choice comes from a belief, a stance that you take, a position. For example, there's a big difference between pro-life and pro-choice. Amen? Amen. Pro-life and pro-choice is a conviction that a person has based upon what they believe. And their decision-making process will fall underneath that umbrella of either pro-life or pro-choice. Okay? It's a philosophical decision, a philosophical position. A choice impacts your decision-making. So with this information, I want you to consider the times in your life when you've made regrettable decisions based upon 
your choice to live a certain way that was contrary to how you, how God wanted you to live. Every one of us has something like this in their memory bank. When you've lived a life where you have regret afterward, you know, without getting too personal, I know there were times like that in my life when I used to go to clubs and go to a bar. There's usually nothing but regret if you if you, you wind up getting drunk and then you wind up, you know, when you have a hangover, what do you want to do? The first thing you want to do is murder yourself because you can't stand it. That's it's true. But those are that's a decision of regret, isn't it? Because you can't go back and undo that. You can only hope that you just pass through. Okay? Living in a way that was contrary to how God wanted you to live. You, your past may have been a little wild and crazy. Or not even so much as openly rebellious as you would refer to yourself, or maybe I'll call this for you, the quiet storm. It doesn't matter if it was open or quiet, it's still rebellion against God. Whether it's something you did by yourself or you did something out in the open. It's still rebellion against God. When you challenged authority in your life, any authority, you were in rebellion against God. There's no other way to put it. There's no other way to describe it. When you hung out with the crowds of the club and participated in unmentionable activity, you were in rebellion. Amen? Amen. Okay, there's like seven amens. Right on. Amen. Right on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. You know what I say? I say, what and ever. From the, from the what and ever club. Y'all ain't fooling me. <laughs> I know better than that. They just don't want to say it out loud. That's all. You know what I'm saying. That's all, that's all right. You know. That's all. Yes. I was just going to say, when I was a little girl, you better not even look wrong around my grandmother. Okay. Because if we had any kind of rebellion... She got it out of you. She beat it out of you? Right. Okay. If you even looked the wrong way, you had no twisted face looking at grandma, grandma would just go, whap, and that's it. I got it. That's the way a lot of us were raised. You know what? But guess what? We were still rebellious, weren't we? It didn't even matter. You know, you knew there was a threat. Well, mama and dad would get me, but I'm going to be rebellious anyway. Okay. As a believer, we have the power of the Holy Spirit readily available to help us with our choices. You would think that we would do better in this area if we would only call on the Spirit when we need Him. You know, do we really call on the Spirit when we need Him? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Do we do those things? In the same way, a person who lacks spiritual maturity may come to a point where it's time to get serious about their faith, serious about their relationship with God and others. It's about getting serious. You know, this thing about being a believer in Jesus Christ, it's not play acting. It's not about playing. It's not about putting on a show for somebody else to impress them. 
It's about being serious. Now, sadly, there are people that never come to this conclusion on their own. They're always going to play. They're always going to tinker around with it. They're always going to dabble with it, but they're never going to get serious about a commitment. Just as there are people who are 40 years old who never grow up, and and you've seen them. Amen? Amen. In the same way you have that situation, there's people who don't believe that there's any, there isn't anything they need to do as far as a commitment to Christ. So let's conclude this, if nothing else, so far right now. In order to make better choices, there must be a deeper commitment in your relationship with Jesus Christ. There needs to be a commitment first. The commitment has to happen. You have to decide it's the most important thing to do in your life. A commitment means effort. A commitment means I'm going to do this and nothing's going to stop me from doing it. There's got to be a commitment for a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to make better choices, this is what you need to do. Because we make choices every day, amen? amen. We've already concluded that from the early in the discussion. We're always making choices. We always make a series of decisions all the time doing something. That leads to an ultimate choice. But if we want to make the best choices, the right choices, there has to be a commitment in your relationship with Jesus Christ. When you wake up one day and decide you need to make the best choices to promote your maturity, then congratulations to you. You're making a commitment to be a better person. And one thing that we want to look at at about this word commitment, because a commitment... There is a way to describe it. A commitment is a series of decisions that a person makes to support a position that leads to a goal. A commitment, this is something that some of you should write down, (laughs) just for information's sake. A series of decisions that a person makes to support a position that leads to a goal. What's the goal here? The goal is the best relationship with Jesus Christ that you can have. That's the goal. In the same way that you're having a goal for retirement, quote unquote. I don't know. I don't even like using the word retirement anymore because it's kind of a joke. Okay? It's not meant to be. Well, no, wait a minute. No, I'm not, you don't know what I'm going to say. So I told you, no attitude. <laughs> not retirees. The whole idea of retirement, you plan for retirement. Amen? There are people who have had pensions that get rolled over into 401ks and they find out that that usually isn't enough money and they wind up having to work anyway. The retirement is... But the point is is that you still plan. You still do things. You don't just not do something. So there has to be some sort of a plan involved. In order, and, and the goal is to be able to live in a certain way so that you're not dependent. That's the goal when you're trying to save money for retirement. This is the same thing. Your goal is to develop a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're making a commitment, you're going to be doing a series of things, series of decisions to support a position, whatever that position is in your life, where you are, leading towards the goal. And it's ongoing. You have your hand up? Yeah. 
can a person make the decision without having the support for the position or the decision they're going to make? Is that again? Yeah. Can a person make a decision without the support of that position concerning that decision they're going to make? You can make all kinds of decisions. Yeah, that'd be an emotional decision. It could be an emotional, but they yep. really don't have the fact or support. Right. For that. Yep. Right. We're, we're on sandy ground. Yeah. Because right. a lot of people make decisions without no support. Right. For Ex- that decision. That's very true. Mm-hmm. We would have to probably add the phrase here that this is what you would do if you were serious about your relationship with the Lord. Because you can make a commitment to do all kinds of things that may be completely outside of the realm of what God would have you to do. So that's something that probably should be established as a caveat. Because you can make a commitment, for example, let's say you want to have, your goal is to be a bridge jumper. Now, what do you have to do to be a bridge jumper? I know what it is. Know what it is? <laughs> <laughs> physically fit. Physically fit. Okay. All right. Well, should I use bungee jumping? I know. Whatever. Yeah, bungee jumping. So what are you doing? You're you're taking a risk. That's right. Now, that example is not the best example. I, I, that's the first thing that came to mind, you know. <laughs> you know, it's like try something else. But I think the point is, is that what is your commitment in life? What are you committing to? What are you deciding that is important in your life? You know, I'll use my, my wife as an example because, well, she's convenient. Um, <laughs> but, but early on in life, she learned and decided she wanted to do art. Where most people, when the first thing you think about when they want to be an artist is the first thing I think about is the starving artist commercials where you got these, these jive-looking paintings they put up on TV. And these things, you know, you'll go to, a, go to a hotel and you can buy the starving artist sale and you might get a painting for $15 or 20 bucks to put up in your house and somebody painted a tree, you know, with a bird in it or something like that and a dog sitting on the side, something like that. Well, that's the first thing you might think about because back at that time when she made that commitment, Artists weren't doing a whole lot. I mean, they're either, you either feel like love painting or doing whatever you're doing. But she made a commitment to do it. And she made the decision early on and said, I want to be an artist. Which is a very courageous thing to do. But if you believe you can do that, you commit to it. And the result of that was you didn't get to be an artist right away. You still had to train and work at it. You still had to work other jobs until you had a chance to interview with Hallmark. In Kansas City, and then you also got to interview at American Greetings. So, but the point is, is that she had to put together a portfolio. You had to, you had to do enough drawings to be able to show people what you can do. You had to make a commitment to prepare and do those things ahead of time. There were decisions being made, a series of decisions to do this painting, this drawing, this work, this work, this work. Put in a portfolio and be able to show people what you can do. Supports the position, I want to be an artist. 
the goal was to be an artist. <laughs> and there it is. But that's an example I'm using, but that is exactly what I'm talking about. The commitment was a valid commitment. It was a commitment that was a noble commitment based upon what? Her talents, gifts, and abilities. And that's the way we all should be thinking when we look at something like this. Okay? One more thing. Yes. As a believer, then you have to run that, set that whole commitment thing, you have to run through the Holy Spirit, and you check it with God to make sure that that's still valid. Right. And I think about what Gus used to tell us about him determining he was going to retire at 50. Right. And he had his own, you know, he was going to do this. That's right. He, he backed stuff and that's what he was going to do. That was a commitment. Right. He was prepared to do it, but then when he ran it by God, God said, no, you're going into ministry. That's right. So then he had to commit to that there was a change. With a series of decisions. That's going right. Going to school and getting prepared to support the position that led to the goal of being in the ministry. That's right. Time. That's so right. Sometimes God changes your... It changes <laughs> where you're at. That's very true. And sometimes that's very unsettling. If you're not ready for that change or not prepared for that, that can be very unsettling. All the more reason this development of your relationship with Jesus Christ, where you can hear him speak to you very clearly about stuff, and you have an understanding about what he's saying to you. Then it becomes less traumatic. Now it becomes, okay, Lord, me and you, we'll go this direction. Okay, so those decisions have to line up with the commitment. Let's go there. That's what we're talking about. So, for example, is a person doing the best that he or she can do to realize the goals that have been set? So, how do you make a determination of something like that? Um, it, the commitment must show some sort of progress as a person pursues a goal. Write that down. I don't think I have that as a slide. The person has to, the commitment that you're making has to show some sort of progress. I'm not about to tell you what kind of progress. But you should see progression as you're going along towards your goal. In other words, you're not in quicksand. It shouldn't be like you're just doing something over and over and over again and you don't see any progress. There should be something, even if God is giving you signs here and there, you're going in the right direction. It may be the smallest amount of progress, but you should see something over time. Now, if you're impatient, then we're having the wrong conversation. Because if you're expecting something immediately, you know, everybody wants something now. Now. Do it now. It could be. That's right. But there should be some progress in there somewhere. Even if it's a learning experience. You know, one of the things I'm learning as I look at assisted living for my mother, this whole process is a learning experience. Because the more you talk to people, the more you hear different things that you didn't know before. And you just start learning and getting more knowledge and more information that will help you. And you'll be able to see God working in that process as far as the proper decision to make. And so that's all going to be part of it, too. Sometimes it's about learning things as you go along. So for this exercise and this weekend's discussion, the goal is to make good decisions more often, and keep getting better at it. Keep getting better at it. You know, I'm not, you know, I don't, we don't want to use the words, we all make mistakes as a crutch any longer. Amen? 
that should be out of our vocabularies now. We all make mistakes is like the most obvious, most captain obvious statement that you can make about yourself all your life. Because we do all make mistakes. We already know we make mistakes. We, you know, Adam and Eve set that up for us. Amen? Amen. So we all make mistakes is an excuse for, frankly, not fulfilling your commitment. So we need to get rid of that. It's not a crutch anymore. If we, it won't cut it if we're sincerely making a commitment to Christ in this area. In other words, there's no need for you to tell him that you make mistakes. Amen? No need to tell him. He'd be like, I know. We'll say it to you like that. Otherwise, there's no need for him to, frankly, have died on the cross for you. I mean, he took care of all that for you. He knows you make mistakes. Take the time this evening to reflect upon this discussion, what we've talked about tonight, and we're going to look at specific points tomorrow to help you see how God looks at you and how you can embrace the potential closeness of your relationship with him. The closer you are to Jesus Christ, the easier it's going to be for you to make a commitment to him that will help you make better decisions. Take a look at Psalm 119. Maybe some of you might remember this one, but Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. And you're going to see what it starts with. The commitment that you're making is going to start with this very thing right here. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? That's the question. How can a young man or woman keep his or her way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. That's the foundation of everything we're going to talk about tomorrow. It starts with looking at his word. Does everybody agree that God's word is good? Amen. 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 Does everybody agree that God's word is beneficial for you? Amen. Amen? Amen. Then why would you ignore it? If it's good for you, if it's beneficial, if you know that the word that he has is good for you, then we're going to make a commitment to look at ways to really focus on that. Because at that critical moment, when you make a choice about something, and it's a bad choice, I guarantee you, you're not looking at this verse. No way are you looking at this verse. You're looking at the verse of whoever you are. Just put your name in there. I'm looking at the verse of Melvin. I'm going to do what I want to do. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're looking at your own, you're looking at your own way of seeing things. But we just got through saying God's word is good. God's word is beneficial for you and good for you. And your word, it sucks <laughs> because it's not good for you. More often than not, we're thinking about the flesh and we're thinking about fleshly things. 
Okay. Any questions about anything? Comments? It's all clear as mud? Yes. <laughs> Everything you said is beneficial and good for us. I think a lot of Christians will say that. Yep. Internally. Our problem comes to can I trust it? Yes. And that's a big word we're going to be using tomorrow. You're exactly right. Can you trust what God is saying to you? That is the flesh at war. That level of trust is the flesh at war. The flesh is what makes you not want to trust. The flesh is what makes you not want to fulfill your commitment. Because that's what it comes down to. Very, very true. Okay. So with that in mind, we break. How about that? That's a good start. So I want you to think about all these things we've discussed. And we're going to come back tomorrow. We're just going to rattle through some points. And for those of you who... I'm going to let my hostess with the mostess let you know what's going on too. Because she's, uh, she's in charge of that area. Um, I'm going to go. Yeah, go ahead. Before you guys go up, if anybody wants to take a snack with them, you've got salty stuff on this side, sweet stuff on this side. There's water on top of the fridge. Feel free to take what you'd like with you. You are going to lock the room if you want to leave your folders in your seat. For tomorrow morning, you can. I would not leave purses or anything else of value down here. And like I said, we will be locking the room. We're going to open tomorrow. Probably around 8.30-ish. Well, here's the deal. We know, unfortunately, here we seem to have meatless Saturday. Mm -hmm. Arlen will understand that. Every time we come, we end up with sausage gravy, right? (laughs) I'm going to put on a crock pot of cocktail smoked sausage so Mm. people can have some meat. Yes. So if you you get over there, I don't know if they'll have it this week or not. I mean, it's always a crapshoot, but more often than not, they they have sausage gravy. And that's the only meat that you have. So we will have some meat in this room. If you guys want to come back this way about 8.30, you know, like get your breakfast over there and bring it in here and eat, you can do that. Yes. And we'll have the crock pot going. You guys can have some cocktail sausage with your breakfast. So at least somebody has some meat. (laughs) Yeah, we get spoils. And when we go to Hilton Head, when we go to Hilton Head every year, we, we have sausage or bacon every day. And it's like, we, I know when we come up here, it's like, they have sausage gravy, and we don't understand it. So, I guess the solution to that is that we just have to have future seminars down at Hilton Head Island. I don't know, that, that may be the solution for everybody here. That would take care of that, wouldn't it? Yeah, they have a meeting room down there, too. Yes. Yeah. Would you speak just a little bit more on the issue of a good choice is rooted and supported in conviction? Okay. Okay. Sure. Okay. What does it mean to have a conviction about something when you when you when you know that you're doing? Well, let's start with that. What does it mean to have a conviction about something? You're willing to act on it. You're willing to act on it. Anyone want to add to that? You're troubled by something. You're convicted by. I mean. Okay. Comfortable in that. Whatever okay. There's something that's prompting you to to feel a certain way or do a certain thing. Okay. All right. You can be convicted and not act on it. 
That's true. Very true. You, that's right. There's an action step that has to take place to support the conviction. Okay. Well, we're using the term about a good choice. It's rooted in conviction that you're doing something, but it's based upon what? You're being obedient to God. You're being obedient to him. There's some things that are rooted in that. Okay. So is, am I covering is, so far? Is that, does that make sense for everybody? You know that you're able to step out in confidence, for example, when you know you're doing what the right thing is. Amen? You know that God is going to be supportive of what you're doing. For example, when you're out speaking to people about Jesus Christ, you should have a conviction behind that. Because you know that God is, first of all, you're being obedient to his word. You're doing what he commands us to do. And you're doing so with confidence and power. That's a conviction that you'll have to do that. Yes. Is that part of that Holy Spirit piece that you spoke? Yes. That every believer has that promise. Yes. Immediately, oftentimes, when I, I, I feel two feet tall, immediately after, and I believe that's part of that war process that we all should have within yes. us for that convicting piece. Yes. Because if you're not having that, then the chances are you don't have a conviction either. Because that's a great point. If you don't have, if you can't, first of all, do you get excited about talking about Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. That wasn't very convincing. <laughs> Y'all must be getting sleepy. You internally say amen? Well, but you do it knowing that you know that Christ is in you because of the Holy Spirit. He's given you that ability to speak for who he is. And that's a conviction that you have to do that. And the Spirit will empower you to do those things as well, too. But you have to make the decision, just like was said over here. You can have that conviction, but you've got to act on it. Everybody here knows what that means. But you've got to actually come out and say it, okay, to support your good choices. When we went the other way and talked about bad choices, what, do we have to, what are we doing with bad choices? You may have a conviction to do something bad, but that's coming from where? The flesh. It's flesh-rooted. Every, you get convicted by the Holy Spirit that it was a bad decision. That's right. If you get convicted by the Holy Spirit because you know you shouldn't have done it after all, then you know you've made a bad decision and you've been reprimanded in that. And the thing that you need to do is what? Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. It's repentance, yes. But what if you have a conviction but then you feel like you're not ready I mean, afterwards you feel bad because you were supposed to do something and you didn't do it because you had that fear that... It's the same thing. You weren't going to do it right or, you know. Then where does that come from? What stops you from doing the right thing? The, who said the flesh? It's the flesh. It's really what it comes down to. It's the flesh. You know it's the right thing to do. You know that you're convicted to do it, but you don't pull the trigger. And we've heard about situations like that where this person knows that it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing that should be taking place. But what do they say? <coughs> I couldn't do it. And what happens after that, there may be regret. Because you didn't say something, didn't do something. You know, it's not the end of the world. But you've got to understand that that's a teachable moment. <laughs> Everybody that goes through something like that, that is a teachable moment. That's a moment of learning for you. That comes back to a stronger development of your relationship with the Lord. Everyone in this room, pastors included, 
are included in this discussion. A stronger development of your relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that you have a weak one, but we all have room for growth and improvement. All of us in here have room for growth because we are all in the flesh. It's an ongoing war that we have. When they say spiritual warfare, you understand what that means. It's ongoing. All right. I've seen some people yawning. Now, I'm going to blame Pastor Gus because he put that out there. <laughs> but that's all right. That's a, that's good discussion. And this is stuff that I want you to be thinking about and, and, and take this away with you. You got another one, too? Boy, they're going to. I know that, but that was a while ago. <laughs> all right. You must have coffee or something. That's what's wrong. Take that coffee away. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. If you have a conviction, okay, should you be able to describe that conviction? Now, I'm going to use some words. They might be similar. Value, principle, standard. Mm -hmm. Can you describe that? Because oftentimes I hear people say, I'm just convicted. Well, what does that mean? Right. Or they may not even be using the right, they may not even be using the right terminology. Yeah, they may not. Right. So, when you're using that word in that, you should be able to, you should be able to articulate or express what you're convicted about. I get that. Okay. Is that a fair comment, everyone? You should be able to articulate, even if you don't have the exact words, but you should be able to articulate what that conviction is that you have. Is that fair? Okay. You need to know what you're doing. I mean, there, there are, and I guess the best way I can describe it is that there are people out there that do stuff they don't know what they're doing. Constantly. Constantly. I have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, that's maybe somebody troubled. That's fine. Right. But but that's my point is, is that people do things, but they don't necessarily have to have conviction. That there's something that do stuff. There's trouble. Exactly. All right. Are we good? Yes, go ahead. Dad just said, I think also a conviction like Dad said, you'll be able to uh, describe it, identify with it, and then even take it a step further. You've got a plan of moving forward. Oh, right. Positively. Absolutely. That's right. Exactly. You already have a game plan. You know that club is calling your name? That's right. You love to dance and do a mind dance. You might not take that route in that street. You know, up that street, you might need to detour. You had a game plan in hand. Because when I witness the people, I tell uh, uh, my young ladies that you can't wait till you get in the heat of the moment. He didn't rub your thigh. Amen. No, it it don't work at that point. Yep. You got to have a game plan. And I remember years ago, a girlfriend of mine said, heard a girlfriend had, if they knew what was going on today at a certain time frame, but they hadn't heard from her. And she said, a couple of times, she called her, that phone rang, oh, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. But you, 
You have a game plan as to not going back into. That's right. You have to have a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to have a strategy that is going to be helpful for you. It just got through saying, you treasured your word in my heart so that I might, I may not sin against you. Well, if you're treasuring the word in your own heart, you're going to put yourself in the best possible position to not sin. Which means who you hang out with, what you do, how you spend your time, what you're looking at, what you're doing, all those things come into play. Those are the decisions that ultimately lead to the choice. Are you going to have a good lifestyle or a bad lifestyle? Because all those things work together. Okay. Anyone else? Or reason that the bad lifestyle you're having is good. Oh, yeah, justification. Right. (laughs) Justification. That's why we use that word. You, You would justify because... I'm too, I don't feel like slowing down and becoming a believer. I got too much partying to do. I'll do that when I get older. Or I'll do that when I get older. Problem is, you don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know how long much time you got. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. We will resume tomorrow morning. Go for breakfast, but we will be back here at 9 o'clock. Resuming. Well, you can come back in 8.30, yes, but we, the, program, the program starts at 9. Amen? <laughs> thank you very much. Let's, let's close out in prayer, shall we? Father, thank you for this time you've given us to come together as a group. We thank you for this time of rest, relaxation, and also good discussion and good thought. Thank you for helping us to come together as a group to discuss and help each other to learn and grow more in our relationship with you. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. See you next. See you tomorrow morning. Amen. What's that? Kibasi. We actually looked at that.